Thanks for checking out the Elevate Student Ministry Podcast. To find out more about us, visit our website at iloveelevate.com. You can also stay up to date with what's going on by finding us on social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Snapchat. Please consider subscribing to the podcast and sharing it with your friends. We hope you enjoy this message and it brings you closer to Jesus. Tonight, we get to look at God as a musician, as a composer, as a conductor. Does anyone in here like music? Come on. I've never met someone that was like, yeah, music stinks. I don't really like it. I'm like, what? Who would that be? Right? Like some people can be like country music stinks, rap stinks, classical, whatever, you know, but nobody overall is going to be like all music is dumb. You know, like we love music. Music is universal. It touches something in us. It can take us from having a bad day and it can give us a spirit of hope. It can mourn with us if we're, if we're down and it can rejoice with us. Like music is so powerful. It just flows through us and, and you have just the right beat and you can't help but kind of move with the rhythm. It's amazing. I love music. I think it's like the coolest creation of God. I've got like 45 gigs of music on my computer. I play music on Jackie's belly at night so that our little girl can listen to Bach and Beethoven and the greats. Like music is so powerful and it's a part of of our lives. And to think of God as a composer, to me, just touches something special. And I'm going to give you the punchline before I even set up the premise. So if I could have Richard come up here. Yeah, come on, Richie. Oh, yeah. Whatever you can and make it big and beautiful. All right, so we are the body of Christ. If we're the body of Christ, give me an amen. amen. All right, we're a very quiet body of Christ tonight. If we're the body of Christ, give me an amen. amen. All right, so each of us, as many members, Many different giftings, 1 Peter 4.10. We are all individuals. We might be like a single note. Give me a single note. Ooh. We're a single note. There's not a whole lot of body to it. There's not, it's just the same. Did I get that right? Is that pretty close? Yeah, it's us. We're a one note, right? And then the Bible says we're two or more gathered. He's in the midst, and all of a sudden, something beautiful starts to happen. You, know, you hear multiple notes, but you hear one chord. And so it's not separate notes anymore. It becomes a chord, right? Right? Now, you, you don't hear multiple notes anymore. You hear one sound harmonizing together, right? And then as the body gets together and it moves in the fruit of the spirit and the spirit is, is leading us towards actions and towards love and, and infusing us, that your one sound gets part of a chorus and becomes even bigger. Ooh. Isn't that beautiful? And it all kind of begins with you. How special is that? Thank you, Richie. You're awesome. Is anyone in here like Lord of the Rings? Yes. All right. Is anyone in here read Lord of the Rings? Like actually read the, all right, the, the two of you, all right. All right, now I'm going to expand into, into total nerddom. How many of y'all not only have read Lord of the Rings, but the prequel The Hobbit and the prequel The Cimmerillion? 
Oh, you see? Good job, good job. Boom. So when J.R.R. Tolkien wrote Lord of the Rings, they loved it so much, he went back and wrote The Hobbit. And then they said, okay, you have this amazing world built. Tell us where it came from. And so he goes back in his book called The Silmarillion, and he explains where Middle Earth and the ages and everything originate. And he has this story. Now, Tolkien was a Christian, just like C.S. Lewis. They were roommates in college. They loved making metaphors of our faith. And I want to share with you a metaphor. Now, this is not the Christian faith. It is a metaphor of the Christian faith. But I think it is so beautiful that I would hate to leave it out of tonight. So he tells the story of this creator, omnipotent, omniscient being. And his name is Eru. And Eru creates through thought these other kind of beings, and they're called the children of his thought because he created them that way. And they're called the Ainur. Is that, are they up there? Yes, the Ainur. Yeah. And so he teaches them how to sing and about music and how to sing together. And they begin to kind of practice and play around with it and everything. And he comes to a time where he gathers all of the Ainur and he begins and to create music with all of them. And as both the conductor who is leading the music and leading the song, he is also composing as he does. He's usually a composer, you know, is doing his thing. And he's like, I don't know, sitting behind a piano and then he creates something and passes off the conductor, you know, that sort of thing. But, but Eru is creating and composing as he conducts. And he has this beautiful symphony and it's filling the skies. And the, the Ainur don't even understand that through his composition, through their song, their song is actually creating the planet. It's creating the universe and, and history of all the things that are going to come in the future books. And it's beautiful and their song is, is magnificent and it's full of harmonies. One of the things that Eru did is he gave the freedom of will and the ability to kind of work in some of their own themes into their song as they're harmonizing. And one of them, his name was Melkur. Melkur? Yeah, Melkur. He begins to sing differently. He sings not in the same key. He actually because of his pride and wanting to gain more attention for himself and more creative power over the song, he begins to have much more pompous and sounds, basically just creating noise, working against, working against the composer conductor. And soon the other, the other ones are like, they're so confused by this that some of them stop singing altogether. Some of them even change their own song to fit Melkers. And at, at one point, Eru lifts his hands and he begins to conduct. And the song, it says it changes and it becomes, it becomes sweet and almost sorrowful and it builds and it builds. And because, because he is so brilliant and so in charge that he actually builds this song so that it accepts and intricately weaves the chaos and the noise and and what Melkar is doing into the full body of the actual song, and it makes it even more powerful and more special because he's so, so sovereign. Tolkien did not write that metaphor on accident. 
he was trying to convey something special. I want to have Miko come up. We're going to play music again. Y'all like music? All right. Our God is so sovereign. Before we jump into Miko and what he's going to be doing, I want to look at our key verse for the past for these three weeks, last week, this week, and next week. It's Ephesians 2.10. It says this, and you'll recognize last week, for we as workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Last week is on identity. This week is on how we treat each other. And next week is about how God writes our story as a novelist. And look at that. All three of them are in there. His workmanship created for good works, and prepared beforehand. It's so beautiful. And so tonight we're looking at Christ. We are made in Christ Jesus for good works, for fruit. First Peter 1, 17 through 21 says this. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each other's work, Conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you are not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as a lamb without blemish and without spot. He indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. You see, our composer had pre-written the symphony of history. And before he even began working on creating the world, it was already foreordained that Jesus was going to give his life to bring it all into unison. That's powerful. That's the composer and the conductor that we serve together. The conductor of history. And so in the analogy that I'm using tonight, God is the conductor composer. He's both the one who writes the music, but also the one who is orchestrating the music. The music itself is his plan, his purposes, and the fruit that come of his kingdom. We as mankind are the instruments, and his people are the ones in the orchestra. Christians are the ones in the orchestra. But let's be honest, even as Christians, sometimes we're playing our music and we like to go off base, you know, like we like to go way out of harmony, you know, I I don't know about you guys. I love playing the drums, but I kind of stink. I go off beat about every third measure or so. And everybody notices whenever I play drums and I go off beat, I can look up and everyone's looking at me and I'm like, it was me again. So sometimes we like to play our own tune. We're like, we're going and we're like, oh yeah, I'm serving Jesus. And then something is kind of attractive and we're like... And we like go way off of where we were going before, right? We are part of the orchestra meant to play together in unity. And you know what? Our God is so powerful that he takes chaos and evil and sickness. And those things that he did not create, those things are in rebellion to him. He is such a brilliant, sovereign composer that he orchestrates history and weaves those things in to show an even more beautiful picture of his glory and a work for your good. It's so hard to understand. Think about Pharaoh, who wouldn't let the children of Israel go. If he would have just said yes the first time out, he would have saved himself a lot of pain. But God says, but to show my glory, I hardened his heart so that I could be known. 
as Yahweh. He hardened Pharaoh's heart. Think about Judas. Tragedy, awful, evil. It says Satan overtook him to do these things, and yet God worked it as part of his plan. Judas betrayed Jesus who would be executed, and that was the masterpiece and the gem of God's plan of salvation. That's the God we serve. They threw Joseph in a well. His brothers did. It was part of the masterpiece of saving his family. God is that kind of a composer. All right, Miko, we're going to give them something ugly to listen to, something that's going to represent sort of what we're talking about, this ugly thing. Give me a, a C sharp and a G together. Oh, it's awful. Right? It's a little harsh. It doesn't feel right. There's no, there's, yeah, it's, it's off, right? But those same notes, we're going to incorporate those into a song that just might connect with some, some, some vibes. So if you'll do me a favor, go ahead and build. And if you wouldn't mind even singing. Oh, I got the mic. You ready? Yes. Thank you, Miko. You're awesome. Good man. <laughs> you see, a good composer can take even what is ugly and make it beautiful. Great painters emphasize the lights, the values, the light colors in their paintings by adding incredible darks. Our God is a composer and a conductor that is sovereign enough to take your mistakes and my mistakes and the awful blemishes of human history. And he is working together an intricate masterpiece for his glory and your good. And you know what? There may be going, something going on in your life right now. Something may happen tomorrow. You may lose a loved one. You may be struggling with a sin. And I'm telling you, if you're willing to be a part of the orchestra of God. He will write that into your story for his glory and your good. If that's all you walk out of here with tonight, it's worth it. Because it's hopeful and it's powerful and it gives God the majesty that he deserves. That song is going to be stuck in my head the rest of the night. Point one, God is the composer and conductor of the universe and time and history. And he's the conductor of his church, his body within history. And he's the conductor of you and me within that church body. So how do we become part of that orchestra? I think you probably already know, but I'd like to give you another neat analogy. Let's read Matthew 7, 15 through 20. Jesus is saying, Hey, watch out for teachers that are going to lead you astray. This is how you can know if the teacher is of God or not. It says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruit. 
Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that doesn't bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruit, you will know them. You'll know them by their fruit. Question one, as God's people, are you doing what is right and rejecting what is wrong? It's profound if you think about it. Because God's people do what is right, and they don't do those things that are wrong. Heart check. All right, so know them by their fruit. How do we, how do we enter into God's orchestra? And I want to say this before I move on at all. That God is so sovereign that he is even conducting the instruments that are outside of the orchestra. He is not only in charge and sovereign over Christians and those who believe in him. He is working everything together in his tapestry. But how do we get into the orchestra? See, the difference is those who are in the orchestra are the ones that can hear the rhythm of God. And then those that are outside are the ones that can't hear. They're just playing their own instrument. They're just making noise. Have you ever heard a symphony warm up? It's chaos and noisy and it doesn't make any sense. And then the conductor gets up, right? Dun, 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 dun. That's the, that's the rest of the world. It's chaos. It's noisy. Everyone's playing their own tune and it doesn't make sense. And God calls us out of that noise and says, will you follow my beat? Will you follow my rhythm? And so thorns and, thorns and thistles, let's say, let's say thorns and fruit. The plan of salvation begins with this. God, I'm a thorn bush. And I'm hopeless because my, my character, my identity is a thorn bush. And I got no way of changing. And what does God do? He comes and he kills you. And he rips you out of the ground and he brings you over to the vine and he grafts you in to his kingdom, in his vine. And then some of that sap and the nutrients of, of who he is begin to run up through those dead veins and you begin to get green and grow. And suddenly out of those very same branches, you are now producing fruit instead of thorns. That's the salvation message that we die to our old selves and we are new creations in Christ. That is powerful. That is how we enter into God's orchestra and he opens our ears. We have a new identity. We have new vision and new hearing. And we begin to hear the rhythm of his chorus, of his symphony. It's through our conversion. So how are we supposed to follow this conductor? How can we hear this rhythm and respond to it? 1 Corinthians 12 we're going to begin at 11 through 20 and then jump a little bit. All these are empowered by one and the same spirit. Who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. The spirit unites us. 
For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, eh, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. That would not make, any, not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. That would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he... Okay, see it forward to 26. If one member suffers, this is interesting. All suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members in it. How do we work together? It is the Holy Spirit that binds and unites his people. It's the Holy Spirit that opens our ears to begin to follow the rhythm of the conductor. Throw up the next verse that I've got. Uh, One more, sorry. I don't know why I didn't write it in my notes. My fault. It's the English Standard Version one. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. So there's this other verse in Colossians. I think it's Colossians 2.10. And it says this. It says that God through love binds everything together in perfect harmony. There is a rhythm and a unity. Yeah. 3.14. Excellent. Colossians 3.14. Ephesians 2.10. Colossians 3.14. Got you. We're many members and we're working together in the mortar between the bricks. The unity that ties us together is not our gifts, our talents. It's not that we like each other. It's the Holy Spirit. How else could a body full of people that make tons and tons of mistakes function unless we can forgive, unless we can love, unless we can move forward past the times we run into each other and totally blow it because of the Holy Spirit. It's expected of God that we will function and bear fruit operating in good works. I'm going to take a look at Galatians chapter 5. And Paul lays out the works of the flesh. Those are the people that are playing their own sound, making noise. And the fruit of the Spirit. Those people that are harmonizing with the orchestra. I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Do you have any more or is it just the list? There we go. And he lists them out. I want to go to the right first. Fruit of the flesh, fornication, lewdness, that's sexual sins. Idolatry, sorcery, those are sins against God. Hatred, arguments, jealousy, wrath, heresy, selfishness, dissension, envy, murder, drunkenness, those are sins against other people and ourselves. Those are sins of the flesh. And then he talks about the, the fruit of the spirit. This is what comes. See, this is what comes when you're operating in the flesh and bearing this is fruit. And this is what happens when we're operating the Spirit, bearing these is fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And you know what? There's, there's, I don't think these are meant to be comprehensive lists, because Paul lists some things in other parts of the Bible. He also lists hope and faith, boldness for the gospel, charity. What's another one that I forgot? Humility. 
These are the things that we bear when we're functioning with the Spirit, when we're flowing with His rhythm. So the question is, if you're looking at these, looking at these lists, which one of these kind of reflects your life? Here's an even more important question. Which of these are you willing to allow to look like your life? So many times we don't want to walk away from that side. We have to be willing to allow ourselves to be conducted and to be led and to get into tune with what he's doing. And we can hear the spirit moving and flowing. Now I've got good news for you. It doesn't sound like good news, but it's good news. The good news is this. You can't do that. You can't function with those. You have no ability. I cannot make this message. Okay, let's look at the fruit of the spirit. I would like you to pinpoint one of those that you're missing and go out this week and work on that. Like that's not how this works. They're fruit of the spirit. All of these things are divine qualities. They're transcendent. They're of God. They're not human things. Humanity just wants for me, myself. It's not selfless. It's not humble. These are divine things. I had a friend once said, you know, I don't think that God, when he wants to give us, say, joy, takes us and grabs the joy salt shaker off the shelf and sprinkles some joy on us, like this abstract thing called joy. No, 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 no. When God wants to give you joy, he gives you himself. <sighs> because he is joy. He is love. He is peace. And so when we're functioning in the spirit, we are flowing with the spirit because it's him flowing through us. He takes, he takes Dom somehow, cor- corrupted and messed up and, and rusty Dom, and he He says, today I'm giving you love. And all I can do to respond is go. And it just comes out on the people around me. Because God's love is flowing through me to everybody else. And when I open my eyes, I see people that are hurting that need love. And whenever I'm needing joy, breaths into you. So that it comes out of you and you bear fruit. You see, this fruit isn't of you. This fruit is of God. And the only way it's going to come out and the only way it's going to grow on your branches is if God is flowing through your veins and he is pouring himself discipline and patience through you into the situation around you. You can't do it. Good news. You have to be listening to your conductor. I almost blew my pages away. Think about this. If I haven't beaten this example dead already, it's still such a beautiful idea. If you're the instrument, let's pick a wind instrument just because it's so cool. Let's say a flute. Guys, you are the inanimate flute. But what makes the sound is when God breathes through you and you create music. But it's not you. It's God. He's both the composer, the conductor, and he's the breath of creation that creates the music through your vessel. That is the God that we serve. How do we make ourselves instruments? How do we hear the rhythm of the Holy Spirit? I'm going to answer that question for you. If you've been holding on, waiting. It's so simple. We walk closely to the Holy Spirit. It's so simple. 
We buddy up. We snuggle up to Jesus every day when we wake up and we walk with him throughout the day. And you'll know as soon as you start playing your instrument offbeat, because Jesus is going to go, come back over here. Oh, okay. You're going to know it. You're going to know when you start getting off key because Jesus is walking with you. And I'll tell you, here's it's three simple things. And there's probably more. Again, not a comprehensive list. And they're this. You become a person of prayer. Or Roberts, who founded the, the University of my alma mater. Love, cool guy, weird, but cool guy. He used to say, I rarely pray longer than 10 minutes. But I rarely go 10 minutes without praying. When we walk in prayer throughout our day, you're walking through the halls of school and you're praying for that person right there. You definitely need to pray for that person right there. And you're praying for your teacher. You're praying for yourself. You have this conversation real quick and you're like, okay, Lord, what do I need to pray about that? And you're walking with him. You're snuggling up to him. You're holding hands with him every minute of the day, walking with him from, from place to place. And you know you got to have that tough conversation with your mom when you get back. you got to go to that business and that job where people don't love him. And, and the whole time you're like, I'm walking with you, Jesus. You're with me. Use your imaginations. God gave you an imagination. And you can use it for good. You can definitely use it for evil. Use your imagination to picture Jesus with you. If you're sitting there unfolding boxes, have Jesus there with you. Whenever you're, you kneel down at night or, or whenever you pray, imagine him wrapping his arm around you. Use your imagination to put Jesus in the room. You know what? He gave you the imagination, and he is with you, so why not allow that to be something that's part of you? That you're walking with Jesus. You're driving, and you're driving with Jesus. I bet you, you won't give the universal sign of disapproval out the window if you have Jesus in the seat next to you. You start walking with him and the fruit of the spirit start coming out of you. See, the fruit of the spirit are the byproduct of walking with the spirit. They're nothing you can strive for. They're only the byproduct. When you're with him, love, joy, peace, patience, humility, kindness, boldness begin to grow on your branches. Prayer. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. In everything... Be in prayer and supplication. Bring your request towards God and do it with thankfulness. In everything, make your requests known. Pray. Walk with him and talk with him. The second thing is so easy again. It's the word of God. Devour this thing. Hunger for it. I'm going to do the Psalm verse twice. I'm switching them. Psalm 119, 9 through 6. David says this, and he's talking about the Old Testament, like some of the stuff that's like sort of boring to us. This is what he's talking about. He says this, how can a young man cleanse his way, young woman? How can a young person keep their way pure? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart, I've sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. That needs to be the cry of our hearts. Lord, I want to walk with you so much. Please don't let me stray. Please keep me from temptation. Your word I have hidden in my heart. That thing, hidden in my heart, memorized, devoured, marinated in, that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all your judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies, as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. It's beautiful. It's the cry of his heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 says this, All scripture is God-breathed. Let's make sure it says it. Yes, inspiration of God. And it's, it's New King James. 
and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And get this. You'll get it in a minute. I can look it up. Because this is way too cool. Sorry, guys, if I stressed y'all out back there. Yes. Nope, that's Hebrews. 2 Timothy 3.16. I don't know why 3.16 is significant. I don't really think that's important, but it's just easy to remember. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is given by the inspiration of God, or in other translations, God breathed, and is profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness, that a person of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. As in, the purpose of scripture is so that we can function in the fruit of the Spirit and in good works with each other. That's the purpose of scripture. That's awesome. He got, he breathed it so that he could form us and mold us so that we can go out and be testimonies. Devour the word of God. Read it, read it, memorize it, eat it up. I know it's cliche, but it's worth it. And then throughout your day, the word of God's going to come to you in conversation. It's going to come to you in your thoughts. When the Satan starts lying to you, and says that you're nothing, you can say Ephesians 2.10, I am the workmanship of God in Christ for good works, which he foreordained. You can say that because you know it. Whenever life gets hard, and you feel like you messed up too many times, and you can't get past this sin, you can say, forgetting those things which are behind, and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of which God called me to heavenward in Christ Jesus. I can't get past that sin. That'll shut down a lie that says you never will. And the third thing is community. Whether it's Elevate or a church or a college group or whatever it is, plug in to a believer, believing group. It is the make it, break it, win or fail when you walk out of high school and go to college. There, it is. I've seen it with, from experience Every teenager that we've had that have left and walked away from being in a community has left their faith. And every one of them that stayed in it has stayed strong and is flowing with the symphony of the Spirit in their lives. It makes all the difference in the world. Why? Because we have an enemy and he prowls around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. And you know who the lions go after? The ones who are scattered from the pack. A lion will never go after a herd of wildebeests as a whole because the wildebeest will trample it. He has to wait for one to get scattered. So the lions line up at a triangle and one will roar loudly and fake charge. And so they'll turn and run. And sure enough, two or three will scatter and the two lions on the side take them down. Meal time. Don't be that one. Cling to a community. Don't forsake meeting with brothers and sisters of Christ. That's Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. Let's read it. And let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Stirring us up for good works. Cling to Jesus. Walk from the, more, the moment you wake up. Be in prayer, be in the word, and stay in community. These are the things that are going to help you to hear the rhythm of the Holy Spirit. 
so that you can operate and function in a way that pleases the composer, pleases the conductor. Instead of just off playing your own instrument, making chaos, you can flow with his plan and his purpose. You know what? It may not make life simple, but oh my gosh, you have an anchor because you're sticking it out. And you hear all the people around you that are in this community and they're playing with you. And even when you feel weak and you feel down, you're encouraged because they're with you and they're staying on beat. One of the coolest things that, okay, this is way off. My dad was a a musician, singer, um, everything. He sang opera, he sang nightclubs, he sang everything in between, cut a record, blah, 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 blah. That's where I get music from. One of the things that they would do is his college, the Conservatory of Music in Boston, they would take his group over to Juilliard. He didn't have the money or whatever to get into Juilliard, but they would bring him and his group in and they would have all the students in Juilliard and their chorus sing with them. And they knew that if the more experienced students, which he was one of them, were singing, the Juilliard students could listen and they could, they could sing on key and on pitch with them so that everybody could sing better. And then they could remove his group and they would know what they were singing. That was how they functioned. And it's just like that, whenever we're weak, we can become a part of a community and we can get with the rhythm of what they're doing. That's what we're doing. When there's a new believer in the body, we get them pulled in someplace. Because why? They're going to start moving with the rhythms of what it looks like to be a Christian. They start leaving behind some of the garbage. They start choosing to do what is right and leaving behind those things that are wrong. Why? They're in a community of people that are following the Holy Spirit. That came out of nowhere. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, be with us. Okay. Very last thought, and I actually mean it because it annoys me when preachers don't do that. They're like, last thought, and they preach for 30 minutes. We need to cling to Jesus and hold so close to him. Two weeks ago, I was on the front row at, at Living Word, and they had a salvation altar call. And a group of people came down, and one of them uh, was in a wheelchair. Does anybody remember that? I don't know if he had Down syndrome or, or whatever, but he was, he was loosely coherent. And his caretakers brought him down to the salvation response. And, and Pastor Renee was laying hands on people, and he laid his hands on, on this guy. And when he finished his prayer, he went, he went to move, and the guy didn't let go of his hand. <laughs> and the guy didn't want to let go. So, somewhere in his, it, it was like, this, this person means something. There's something significant happening here, and I don't want to let go of him. So Pastor Renee continued to talk to everybody like this, you know, talking like, because the guy didn't want to let go, but he wouldn't, Pastor Renee is wise enough and, and loving enough, he would never let go of this guy's hand either. We have to cling to God like that. There's a story in Acts where Peter and John are passing this guy who is lame. And the guy says, I just want some money. And they say, well, we don't have any money, but what we can give you is Jesus. And they lift him up on his feet. And it says that from then on, this guy clinged to Peter and John. We have to cling to Jesus from the minute we wake up. And we're going to begin to flow with the Holy Spirit. And as we just stay close to the Spirit, then God will breathe through us and will produce fruit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Humility, boldness for Jesus, faith, hope, charity, and some more that I probably haven't thought of. Cling to your conductor because, as Hebrews says, he is the author and finisher of our faith.
Yahweh conductor God, I pray that this message has taken root in our hearts. Let us never see you the same again. Lord, help us to flow with you and help us to be aware, to stop being off, trying to do our own thing, playing our own noise. Give us the discipline to do what is right and reject those things that are wrong. Thank you, Lord, for being the composer of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.